0: Um, could not be more happy to be here with you this morning. Um, Leslie is clearly right still in the middle of that. She's potty training. Yes, as we speak. Yeah, she pulled poo poo in happened. the potty this morning. This morning, Woo! it it's a happened. Good day. Celebration. They had a little party. She and Rob had a little party before they came over. <laughs> lots, Just, of yeah, lots of early chocolate. lots of chocolate. Lots of chocolate. Yeah. So we are not far from where you are. And you don't forget. Some things you forget out of God's mercy, but some things you don't forget. One of my favorite memories at your stage of the game, we had just had um, our fifth. I had four kids, four and a half and under. And then two years later, we got Lucy. Um, my oldest is in first grade. John is at a um, staff retreat. I make a Walmart run. And to set this, st- this story up, we, have, um, we had moved recently from a house in East Dallas into the park cities. And as we moved in, the house had flooded, and we, I was nine months pregnant. We had to get back out. We moved in Valentine's Day, moved out for a week so they could redo the floors and move back in. And I was a week before my March due date, and I had all sorts of nesting to do that had nothing to do with nurturing, encouraging, strengthening, training. <laughs> it had to do with getting my house in order, right? Um, and not a lot of time to do it. I never am early. You can attest to that if you know me. I went into labor early. Now, we had moved out of our old house, and a year before, we had had a flood. And during the flood, after the flood, we'd had blowers set up, and dust had settled everywhere. So when we moved, that dust was resurrected. And it got all in my lungs. And so in the process of moving, I got bronchitis. And so I'm coughing, and as I'm coughing, pregnant with my fifth child, I can feel my abs ripping with every cough. To the point that we're settled in this new house, and we're back in after being out and in again, and I was laying there coughing, go to the hospital, get a breathing treatment, come home, we're trying to get settled, Um, have to move out again because we can't be around the fumes pregnant with the floors, move back in, still a week ahead of my due date, and I go into labor, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm a week early. I'm like, Lord, you know I'm never early. This doesn't happen. So I go into labor, have Lucy a week early, way ahead of anything I'd hope to do, but the Lord's just going, I got you, just hold on. So she comes. So a month later, I'm in Walmart. She's in a carrier. Caitlin's at school in first grade. I've got the other three with me, loose. And I get to the checkout counter. There's We drop her off at school at 8. I'm like, I can make a grocery run and get back by noon to pick her up, because she was in for four hours. And have two carts up at the front with the three kids Lucy on me and I forget that I've gotten not gotten shower rings and we can't put up the showers to actually take a shower and I needed a shower really bad at this point in time and so I know where the shower curtain aisle is I can see them I can see the shower curtain aisle I'm like I'm going for it I'm like Sydney hold down the fort she's four (laughs) and so she's holding down Jay and Lucy so I go to make the big L back to the shower curtain ring and um, I hear them. They're coming. I'm trying to pick the right ones because you only want to buy once, right? And so um, I'm sweating profusely. I'm just about at the end of my rope. Carpool's going to start in about 30 minutes. And so I'm like, ah! And so I hear Jay and Lucy start racing down the aisle towards me. And, and, and uh, they know kind of where I am. They're, you know, one and a half, two, three. And so all of a sudden this lady peeks her head around the corner and goes, uh, are those yours? And I'm like, yes, ma'am, they are, they are. She's like, uh, you got that? And I'm like, I can hear them. I know where they are. I'm just getting shower curtain rings, baby. I, I, I'll be right, right there. And she's like, uh, somebody might take them. And I'm like, they'd bring them back in five minutes. <laughs> and I'm good with that right now. could use the help. And so I'm just trying to laugh it off, just be happy. And she looks at them, and she looks at me like I'm going to move and go get them. But I'm not because I'm getting my shower rings, and I hadn't made up my mind. And she said, "Um, if you can't do any better than that, you just need to keep your legs together. And I'm like, oh, those are big words. And I'm like, I'm steeped in recovery. I can handle this. I know what to do. And I come up with the line, thank God for recovery and CR and all those fun things. And I go you know what? You just need to draw a circle and stay inside, and I'll do the same, and we'll be good. (laughs) Okay? And so she's standing there looking at me like, staring me down like, you're going to go get those kids. And I'm standing there looking at the shower curtains like, no, I'm not. And I stood there until she walked away. And I'm like, but I was shaking. I was in tears. I'm already totally exhausted. I feel like a complete failure. I feel like, I can't do anything, right? And so I wobbly, wobbly, I'm shaking now thinking about it, get my shower curtain rings and walk back up, two carts. Thankfully, Sydney's still standing there holding down the fort. And so that she probably never have kids because she had to do things like that. But um, <laughs> we check out, we get to carpool. I'm sure I'm late to carpool, right? Because I'm always late. I'm always last or late. And I tell my kids, last is not late. Last is last, right? You can be first in carpool or you can be last, and last is not late, Okay. <laughs> They don't understand that, especially Sydney. But anyway, I digress. I just want you to know, we know where you are. And there is an exhaustion that comes with this stage of life. There is an exhaustion that comes with this season of the year. And I don't know if any of you feel like going, ah, right now. But if you do, let's just collectively, just because I feel like it, all of you, as loud as you can, go, ah, one, two, three, ah. Sometimes you just need to scream. You just need to let it out. You might want to scream. You might want to cry. It says a lot in the Bible. Cry to the Lord. You need to do that. You need to let it out. Because right now we're going to start talking about a verse in Hebrews 12, 1 that says, Let us run the race marked out for us with endurance, with perseverance. And we're going to talk about today enduring through exhaustion and being willing to run past the point of pain, past the point of feeling like you have any limit that's knowable inside your body, insight. Um, This year, our Sydney has run cross-country on a high school level, and it's a big jump from middle school to high school, and I've watched those girls train and train and train and train and train, and still, even though Coach Bailey takes them to walk the race, to walk the course, they learn to run their race at their pace in their space, not comparing themselves to anybody else, full of his grace. When she does that, they have trained, they're ready, they've run 10 miles, they're going to run a 5K, they run 10-mile days every week. Still, when they cross that finish line on that day on Saturday, they are spent. They're wobbly. You have to sometimes help carry them over to get a drink of water because they've run to the point of exhaustion. And you guys are like that today. Some of you barely got here breathing. Some of you um, are still so numb. Your body and your mind are totally disconnected. Your mind is somewhere in the parking lot. You're sure it's going to catch up with your body at some point in time. Nourishment and coffee and water will help. But you're exhausted. And the word exhaustion itself means spent. Poured out, broken. It's a fuel. It's used in fuel terminology to exhaust. That's why we have an exhaust pipe, to let off the exhaust. Our fuel inside our cars, our fuel, the food that you're eating now is fuel for your body. We become exhausted when we are spent, when we are poured out. And one of my greatest joys and something we'll wrap up with, do a word study when you're so tired. Go to Google, go to Bible Gateway, and look up the words weary, tired, exhausted. Look, it's spent, poured out offered up. Look up those words and just be encouraged that all through Scripture, from the beginning to end, people were being poured out, and Jesus himself poured himself out for us. Um, Out of air, you're breathing. You're just barely breathing. Sometimes the next right thing to do is just take a deep breath and get some air in your lungs and get some oxygen to your depleted brain. Um, On top of all the expectations you have of yourself as a wife and mom, all those Walmart trips, all those late nights, all those poopy diapers, Um, There's Christmas And I heard a song last night I was driving back from picking up One of mine who was studying with a friend's house About 10 o'clock And the the Christmas song came on And this is Christmas And it's like Is this what I expected Is this the way I thought it would be And my husband says all the time um, And it's so true expectations are everything. So we're going to talk today about our expectations as a mom of ourselves. How do we endure when we're exhausted and we're past the point of we feel like being effective and productive in our faith, much less our motherhood. Um, I'm going to talk about the hull of our ship. We're going to use this ship imagery all the way through because a lot of you have probably, and some still are, hitters in your world. You were out there kicking butt and taking names, had a big job doing big things, was running fast, you had the speedboat going on, right? Now as a mom, you feel like you're paddling your own canoe at about two miles an hour. And there's a shift that you make from being the 20-something, 30-something single white female to married, now married with children, and you have to slow down. And one of my favorite books that got put in my hands when I was just your age in stage is this book by Ann Croker, Not So Fast. And it just caused me to pause. I read it over the summer. I was reading back through it for you guys and just thinking about sitting on the banks of the Tennessee River when it started talking about the illustrations we're going to use. So we're giving Ann a lot of credit because a lot of her stuff today is still having impact and very important in my world, in my terminology. So the reason Leslie and I have the boat up here is to let you know a lot of life is like a race. It's like running a race. It's like we're fleet. We're skip. You see the battleships games on your um, tables you know, now is the time when you're down on the floor playing Candyland, playing shoots and ladders, taking time to be slow and slow down, and you're you have shifted gears from probably a very fast-paced, productive life to a place where you don't feel like you're getting anything done. As I talk today, I'm going to talk about the hull of that ship, the outside of the boat, how we're all different, and how we can seek to really build each other up and find our strengths and use our gifts where we are at this stage of life. And then Leslie is going to take over and talk about the heart of the ship which every one of us is exactly the same in that dimension. And we all have basic needs and wants, spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional, that we've got to tap into and we've got to fill. So that's why when you're around a table with the girls in your community group, you all look different, you have different gifts, you act different, but you can love and encourage and strengthen and nurture and train each other because you're the same on the inside. And so that's what we're going to try to connect with today. If you'll look at... um, To do the JP, because I love, I'll never be close to his organization in terms of talks. But this morning in the journey it was talking about, Truby McDougall was talking about how, look, he suffered. They hated him. They're going to hate you. When we're looking at our Savior, girls, we've got to know everything he endured on the cross when he calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him, you're going to go through too. And motherhood is your special brand of sanctification. You are in a club and a sorority here that you will be in the rest of your life. And you have sisters who can help walk you through what that feels like to die to yourself on a daily basis. Um, so, to quote a Coach Bailey cross-country face, toughen up, buttercup, because we're going to learn about endurance today, right? We come from a generation of very entitled people, trophy children, a lot of you young 20s are, who were grown up, and, and it just looked like motherhood is probably not what you expected, right? It's not as easy as you perceive your mom had it, And it's more complicated, there's more media, more technology, there's more competition um, in terms of the way we compare ourselves with each other. So we're going to look at a passage that really frees me up when I compare myself to people like Leslie and Allison and all these fun people that I'm doing mommy with. So if you have your Bibles open, if not, we're going to go to Galatians 6. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit, let's just stop there. Are you living by the Spirit? Are you in sync with the Spirit, or is your ship sinking? That's going to be a theme. Should, you should restore them gently. A lot of us are caught in the sin of our false expectations of life, of motherhood, of ourselves. So we are today going to gently come around you and restore you, hopefully, to a right thinking about enduring when you're exhausted, okay? Because we have a lot of sinful thoughts and patterns, a lot of false expectations that are impacting us. Um, watch yourselves, or you too may be tempted. When you're trying to tell somebody else how fast or slow they should go, we can easily fall into the sin of pride or the same trap. Um, when you're comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing for Advent, and you feel like you just stink because you don't have Advent calendars out at every breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're not teaching your children Jesus you know, all day long. There was one year, no lie where I felt like I needed to do a different Advent devotion at breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my kids because I just could. And I couldn't choose because I can't choose. I don't have a good picker. And I just want to do everything and hope that I do something right. And so, I mean, different train. Every, every day my kids are so confused, so confused. <laughs> they haven't recovered, but that's okay. I won't tell you what we did for Advent last night, but I have a picture of my mother-in-law that's the most precious thing It's going up on my wall. We won't go there. Carry each other's burdens and in that way fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to other people, to someone else. Girls, this is the crux of it. We've got to know what our load is. We've got to carry each other's burdens or the burden of our two-year-old who can't get herself to the potty on time. But we've also got to take care of ourselves and carry our own load. So a lot of what we're going to talk today about is feeling free within our Constraints of our boat, our ship, the way the Lord's designed us, but knowing at which level, you see these little levels right here on the boat, this plimsoll line, and the other levels that kind of reflect different stages, different types of water the boat would be in and what it can handle in that type of water. We want to do that without comparing ourselves to other people, only to the standard of Christ and only to what he's designed us and calls to do. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor, When you learn from each other, you give back. There's a reciprocity. There's a community there. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh or the flesh of any other man whose expectations you're trying to live up to from that flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary. And some of us get so weary trying to lean, lean up to our mom's expectations, our mother-in-law's expectations. Sitting with a girl at a basketball game last night, who told me her mom, in no uncertain terms, tells her all the time, you know what, you're just not who I would have picked for my son. I mean, can you imagine bearing up under the weight of that, especially going into Christmas I'm not buying you anything? Don't give me your list because I'm not getting anything on it. And um, if I do buy you something, it's not going to fit, so you have to take it back. Um, Let us not become weary in doing good, even to those types of people. Thankfully, I don't have that kind of mother in law. Um, For at the proper time, we reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that's what we want you to do, girls. We want you to endure the holiday season. But we not only want you to endure, we want you to thrive and enjoy it and embrace it for what it is, which is a kick butt job. It really is hard. Therefore, we have, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially of those who belong to the family of believers. And Leslie and I have discovered over the course of this fall and working on this talk, we will do good to everybody else in the world, but we don't necessarily take care of ourselves in healthy ways. So when we get to her part of the talk, the first person you've got to love is the Lord Jesus and yourself and let him come alive in you before you can be a life giver to anybody else. So we're going to try to learn to run our race In our space, in your design, the way God made you, at your pace, given the capacity that you have, not everybody else, under his grace, in his grace, by his grace, through his grace, in Christ. Okay? So that's our aim for today. Now, the next thing we're going to go to is we're going to look at how to run your race. You know, Watermark, if you've never been here, thank you, visitors, for showing up. We're big on Christianity is a call to battle. It is a call to arms. We are in a fight for survival for our souls and the souls of our children. A cruise ship, a pleasure ship, is what a lot of churches in the world will portray themselves to be. You know, just basically a grown-up sorority and fraternity where you can go and feel good about yourself. We are here to tell you that motherhood will bring you, if you don't know it, to the end of yourself faster than anything you've ever done. And you've got to know what your assignment is. Um, A very, very incredible Speaker, teacher, you probably know the name, Leslie. I'm going blank on the name. Says, um, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Who said that? Anybody know? Somebody in here is really smart. I'm sure somebody knows. John, who said that? Do you know? Okay. Who? Piper, maybe. When, when Anyway, it's old. It's been around a long, long time. And when Christ calls a man, he bids him come down. die. It might have been Bonhoeffer. I'm not sure. But is it Bonhoeffer? So the... You've got to know what to expect. You've got to expect to be exhausted. And one of the um, in most incredible ways the Lord has met me there this last year is through this study that... Um I've been wanting to do for years. It's called The Five Aspects of Woman. And it talks about how God has designed women, single, married, widowed, with children, without children, it doesn't matter, to follow hard after Him. And He's given us five main roles. One of those is a life giver. And it talks about how you as a life giver, as a young mom, understand Christ, and Christ understands you. You may feel totally alienated from this single man who lived his life totally solo, but he had disciples and he died on the cross. And going through labor is like a cross that you bear of itself. And you know how in labor they encourage you to have a focal point that you fix your eyes on something? In Hebrews 12, we're learning to fix our eyes on Jesus. He fixed his eyes on us as he was enduring the cross. And um, I love, love, love how it talks about, um, I think my my little page markers came out, but that's okay. When Jesus went through the cross, It says, Christ experienced the pain of crucifixion for all of us. Mothers also experience pain in giving birth. It's good to use various techniques and medicines to alleviate the pain, but the reality of Genesis 3.16 curse has not been removed. There are specific parallels between despair often experienced in childbirth and the despair Christ experienced on the cross. Many of the world's struggles follow a pattern. Christ went through the cross. You went through labor. You are now more intimately acquainted once you've had a child with what he labored and did for us on the cross. And the word labor is applied to his crucifixion all over scripture. In childbirth, the first phase of labor opens the womb. The second, the body transitions to push the baby out. Third, the baby is born. The transition phase of labor right before the baby is born is a time of great hormonal upheaval. It's during that time that many women feel disoriented and hopeless. Christ was on the cross for six hours. His transition labor lasted six hours. Towards the end, he reached his greatest despair and cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The world itself became dark. Near the end, he was most tired, no doubt physically, spiritually, and most despairingly. Finally, he faced death and died to give life to others. Okay? Hebrews 12, 2 says that Christ, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And she tells our students this. I know in childbirth instruction. This is our goal and focus. We're going through all the difficulties in pregnancy of childbirth with the goal in mind, which is your precious baby, right? He went through labor on the cross for you. Christ did something like this. He kept in view not merely one human baby, but the salvation of the whole world. This was the joy set before him. He endured the cross, the virtue of endurance. Hebrews 12, 2 also tells us that Christ despised the shame of the cross. And I think some of us can't get over the shame and the humiliation of the exhausted, how exhausted we are, and that we need help, and we need him. And when we despair of that, you remember Jesus the night before said, Lord, please, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. But he walked through it. And there are lots of you looking at the days that are ahead of you going, Lord, if there's any other way we could get around this, can I please just call and cancel? Let me get around it. But he wants you to go through it, and he wants you to endure it. And he wants you to endure it for the joy set before you. Um... He calls them later light and momentary afflictions. And um, I just want you all to know that I, through this study and through looking at um, what God's called me to do as a life giver, have come more in touch with Jesus than I ever had before because he knows me. It says he was tempted just as we are yet was without sin. He understands your role as a mom. Because of what he endured on the cross. So as you look at the crosses on your neck, all around your house, know he went through labor too. And I'd really never thought about it that way until I looked at this and went, you know, Jesus gets me. And that's a really important thing when you're in a lot of pain to know that he gets you. Um, One of the things that we have to, to do in order to be ready to be excited about your race is we have to look at the eternal versus the temporal. Jesus pushed through a lot of temporal pain to get to the eternal things. And a lot of the stuff we work for in life is we're working for food that will spoil, okay? In John 6, 26 and 27, it says, work for food that will not perish, that will not spoil. And a lot of even the expectations, the traditions that you're up under right now at Christmas, weigh it in the balance. Is this eternally gonna bring life to my child? Is he gonna know Jesus better because of this? Or is this something I just kinda wanna put on our December resume of all the cool, fun things we did at Christmas, And I'm not saying everything has to have a spiritual undergirding. But the truth is, if it's not pointing towards the love of Christ, it's pointing towards the love of self. And so what are you doing? What are all those presents about? Do any of those presents point to Jesus being celebrated and loved and adored? And we we are meant to be consumed and exhausted. And we are continually being poured out like a drink offering. Like a um, wine that they poured on the sacrifices in the Old Testament that made the aroma pleasing. Those of you who cook with wine know when it reduces and that's just left with that sweet, sweet sauce on the food, it makes it better. And you are being poured out like a drink offering, a sweet glass of wine on your families to make it sweeter and richer and better. But you're reduced in the process. You're exhausted. The sugar is burnt up. Right? And all that's left is the flavor. And so God is, is burning the dross out of us and purifying us. Um, I, don't, I know, like Leslie was saying, and a bunch of you moms, we're in the kitchen all day long. We're cooking up something for somebody. And that is a, those are St. Francis moments when we kind of can think about who we used to be, what we used to do. So as we move on to the next slide, you've got to realize you run your race in your space. If you look at the battleships in this picture, um, all of them, the aircraft carrier, the destroyer, um, The little stealth boat here that goes in and can go really fast. The speeds are different. The capacity is different. You know what you used to be. And today, as we start to reflect during our reflection time, think about what you used to be, okay? Who you used to be. When Christ thought about himself, he thought himself at the right hand of God. Perfect. Then he became a man. You think of yourself in terms of the job you used to hold or the freedom you used to have compared to what you are now. And I think about this when I think about Mary Magdalene. The only used-to-be we need to compare ourselves to is who we used to be before we knew Jesus, right? I used to be a woman bent so heavy on an MRS degree that I was doing anything I could to get married and chasing every boy in my path away because of my desperation. Then Christ got a hold of me, and he saved me, and he set me free, and he made me be still. And then the Lord brought John to me. What did you used to be before you know Christ? This one woman is captured four times in Scripture who took the alabaster jar, her greatest gift, her jar of nard, and anointed Jesus for his burial. She, it looked like she wasted herself. It looked like she wasted her dowry. It looked like after that nobody would want her, but she gave it up for her Savior. So the place that we want to exhaust yourself is in the eternal in preparing Jesus to know him. And the only used to be that we should have in our mind is who we used to be before we knew Christ. And bring that to bear in motherhood. You've got to know your strengths and weaknesses. A lot of you, I love psychology, studied psychology. Go back and do the Myers-Briggs. Go back and do the Enneagram. You will see that you are the same and that the gifts God has equipped you with the specific type of your ship, your role in the fleet, um, your role—the external ask of you may have changed, but your internal is the same. Know what part of the fleet you play, and that's why I put battleship on your on your um, radar. There, I want you all to know there are different little boats in the fleet, but they all have to work together as a team. And within your community group, I really encourage you, especially as the 4B is coming up. And you're looking at re-upping for membership, go back through the gifts assessment and the strength finder. Get back in touch with who you are and what you were designed to do. And why did God bring a super hyper organized person like Elizabeth Tamblin has been marking my parenthood since my child was in kindergarten? And she got us together and she sat down with Debbie Smith and she went over how to organize each month. Just get a blank sheet of paper out. September, October, November, December. Keep a running list of everything that needs to happen in that month so you don't forget. And then add to that list every year. She's given me so many tools over the years. The the handouts that you have right in front of you, she designed for us. Leslie and I couldn't do that if we had two years to come up with that. But that's her gift. And all we did was tell her our stuff. And look, look what you could frame that. That is so good. And so... Keep it. Use it. But lean in. Know your design. Know the design of the girls within your community group. Be happy. Draw the circle and stay inside and find what God has to do in your life and wants to do in and through you where you can add value to somebody else. There was a day, girls, when I would not have asked for help. I mean, I could even say year or last year, I would have said, oh no, I don't need a handout, when really, I would want a handout. I didn't have the margin to make a handout or the expertise to do it, so I wouldn't ask for one. And as you get older, you learn to lean in and ask for the help that you need and let people like Elizabeth step up and use their gifts. Um, That's what I want you guys to do. Mary had a gift. She used it. She gave it to Jesus. She poured it out at her feet. It looked like waste, but it's not. For those of you who have seen Hacksaw Ridge, we still haven't seen it yet, but J.P. talked about it, so I feel like I have. And so he, um, he was using his gift. Lord, just give me one more. The Battle of Dunkirk, one of my favorite books, is The Snow Goose. Grab a couple of books that you read with your kids that really show the purpose. This man, who was so ugly and deformed, he lived in a lighthouse by himself, uses a little dinghy to go and save hundreds of men off the shores of Dunkirk. Um, All the soldiers were trapped in World War II, and the big battleships couldn't get up there to get them because they were being shot at. So they called in hundreds of smaller boats, and those boats went across the channel and kept bringing back and bringing back and bringing back more and more. He could only fit seven in his boat. But he did it over and over and over again until he was shot through and he died that day. But he saved hundreds of men before he did. And his story was told the world over. And just little things that remind you that your little boat matters. The design of your ship matters. And God can use you in extraordinary ways if you will just be willing when he calls. Um, But you can't lose sight of your make and model. That guy drove a little dinghy. It carried seven people. But it mattered, and he used his gift on that day. Um, One of the ways you can really get back in touch with your design is look back through pictures. We take thousands of them. You take thousands of them of your children. Take your children and go back and look at pictures of you. When you got married, in your 20s, when you were working, let them see who you are and who God designed you to be, and then think about how that could apply to today. Because most of the time we make it so much about them that we forget to teach them about us. You are important, and you're the mama God gave your baby, and he gave you to disciple him or her in the strengths and the ways that you have. Get back in touch with what that is. Um, I think that um, a lot of who we are is exposed in competition, so that's another reason we put Battleship on your table. Play games with your kids. Chutes and ladders, Candyland, it all comes out. Stealing cards not being able to count right, skipping numbers, telling your little brother or sister who can't count that they actually have to go down the chute when they don't. You see it all. But if you play games with your kids, don't lose the fun factor that Leslie and them talked about. Be a fun mom. Get down on the floor. You see so much of your own heart in competition. Dutch Blitz is nuts in our house. It's one of our favorite games. Make it a stocking stuffer. Left, right, center. Play it with Hershey Kisses. I mean, just make it fun. And when you do that, you will see your child's heart exposed competition almost better than anything else, and you'll see you and your husbands too, and that's not always so fun. (laughs) But um, do puzzles, play games, sing out loud, ask them what their favorite song is. One of the best things I use to get to know my kids um, in the car as we drive down the road is I'll ask everybody in the car what their favorite song is, especially when I've got new kids in the car, and if I feel like it's halfway appropriate, I'll play it because you really get to know the heart of somebody through the songs they sing. So those are ways to get to know people's design. As we move on over um, and head into our second part of our talk, I want you all to know that this is up here for a reason. Samuel Plimsoll enjoy in, in, um invented this line that's now just really painter's tape because the canoe doesn't have one, but we gave him one. It's called a Plimsoll line. And on every ship in the next slide... Um, you've got to know your limit. In the early 1800s, ship, or late 1800s, early 1900s, ships were sinking. They were losing soldiers by the thousands as they tried to come from Europe over to America. And this guy, Samuel Plimsoll, was disturbed and he was determined to know why those ships were sinking because going out of the harbor they looked great. He came up with a formula that helped the ship assess its load limit. And, and that load limit was painted on both sides of the ship and the harbor master would not let it leave the harbor if it was sunk below the water. He would say, go back, unload. And we as community group people have to know the size of our ship, the design of the people in our ship, and we have to know our load limits. We have to know what Leslie can do, what Jeannie can do without comparing ourselves to each other, right? You can take pride in yourself. And do you see the different types of levels? It's for different types of water. So when Leslie is in new baby stage or she's just adopted, her capacity is going to be affected. When Crystal gets back there with baby number three or four, she, her capacity is going to be different. So when you're in different seasons of life, North Atlantic, different than South Pacific, different than freshwater, saltwater, your load capacity is different. And I just think this is a beautiful illustration of us as people. Can the person inside the ship see that? No, oh, because the top of the ship is bigger than the bottom part of the ship. The harbor master has to see that. This is where you need mirrors, accurate mirrors in your life, of friends around you, and husbands who will tell you we're over our limit. And John constantly raises his hand and goes, "We're moving too fast. This is too much." The guy who introduced—not introduced, but did our pre-engagement counseling—said, "John, you will be a walking boundary for Jesus." For Jeannie, <laughs> <laughs> for Jesus, if you can say that, because I do think I'm the fourth member of the Trinity, but really. It's Genie that he's the walking boundary for. She, you, you gotta keep her in check, and you will be the living walking boundary. And it's not easy, people. Containment is not easy. They give me 30 minutes, I needed two hours. But that's okay. We, we move on. Um, your crew will let you know. You have to be aware of the load limit of yourself and your crew. Look at your husband. Where does he get his energy? What inspires him? How can you be a woman who stays equally yoked with your husband so you are moving in sync with him and you're not sinking your family ship because of all the things you think you have to get done at Christmas or any other season of the year? You're actually loving them well and you're aware of what their capacity is too. So these are questions you need to ask within your marriage, within your community group. Um, And part of our load is carrying the gospel. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, and it's actually 8 through 18. I'm not going to read it now, but go home and read that in a quiet time. It says, we always carry around in our bodies the death of Christ, okay? And he had been, Paul had been pushed to the point of exhaustion, pushed beyond his limits, perplexed, but not totally destroyed. We're being consumed. Our God is a consuming fire. You are the fuel. You are the wood-burning fire he will use to light the gospel up to the world. And you will be consumed to that. You will deny yourself. You will take up your cross. You will follow him. But he replenishes that. So you want to be a woman, as we transition into Leslie's part, about knowing how to fill the inside of the ship so that the outside of the ship is, is equipped and doesn't sink. It says daily we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Um, we had a little bit of a roadside assistance issue. As we talk in, st- 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 go into our last slide before I hand it over to Leslie and some reflection time, I want you to look at this, our next slide. Um, There are different tanks within a ship. Um, And we are under his grace. We all have different parts of our soul. And John and I, I thought I ran out of gas, which I probably did to some degree because I always do. Um, Wednesday night as I'm picking up my kids What ended up being, we needed to jump the car off because the electrical system ran down in the course of us getting close to running out of gas or running out of gas. And so we put two full, go to the gas station, get tanks of gas in, and couldn't start the car. It had to charge. And then not only did it have to charge, it had to charge for about 10 minutes. We were on the road coming back from Tennessee Sunday, and it was nighttime already, and we're getting near Mount Pleasant, and a little mama is broke down on the side of the road. And she has a U-Haul trailer, no lights, nothing's working, all her electrical is out. So I pull over, get out of the car, and my kids are like, what are you doing? We could actually be home by 9 o'clock. Why are you stopping? I'm like, that's a mom. She's got a fish on her car. There's no man in sight. We're stopping. And so there were trucks just like, you know, just going by. And I'm like, I was scared for her. So we get out. Sure enough, she has a little 9-year-old boy in the car. He gets in our car. We get my jumper cables out, that my mom gave me because everybody needs a set of jumper cables in their car. Um, so my mom gave me those many, many years ago. We got at her big old honker jumping cables. Nothing. Nothing was working. We were not getting a click. Nothing. She wasn't out of gas. We call roadside assistant. Don't know when they're going to be there. This cute little Marine pulls up, Brandon, from Mount Pleasant. And he comes up, and he goes, Ma'am, he's got a beard down to here, bald head, tatted up. I'm like, you're the real deal. He was adorable. And he said, um, <laughs> he said can I help you all? And I'm like, oh, yeah. We need lots of help. So we had pushed her car out of the way. We had pushed the trailer out of the road because she was literally sitting in that lane of traffic. And so we, um, he said, well, have you checked the battery? And I'm like, oh yeah, we tried jumping it off. Nothing, nothing going. He's like, but have you checked the battery inside the car? And I'm like, she and I looked at each other like, what battery inside the car? He goes inside her little SUV, pulls up the middle compartment where you would think a tire would be, and there's a whole nother battery in there. Who knew? And so there's all these cables attached to it, and he jiggles them and, and sticks the cable back on where it's supposed to go. Boom, the car is back in action. And we're like, man, who knew? Who knew about that battery? So John and I were putting fuel in a car that needed a jump. We were jumping off the wrong part of the battery, there are gauges inside your heart. And part of what we're getting to in this intuitive eating group that I am is, I always think the answer for everything is you deserve a break today and let's go get a donut and all that stuff. I put fuel in my stomach thinking that's going to heal my heart or heal my head or my stinking thinking. It's not. It's my drug of choice. doesn't work for everything. You have gauges in your body that God embedded in there. He designed you. We don't pay attention to them. As mommy, you're paying attention to that baby's gauges. Is he hungry? Is he angry? Is he lonely? Is he tired? You've got to pay attention to mama's gauges, too. And you've got to teach the people around you to read your gauges and to know when you really need to halt, when you need a jump, when you need fuel, when you need to sleep. And so some of the things that we've come to, Jesus, again, in the five-aspect study, there are seven women at the well that he that Seven women at the well throughout Scripture. I encourage you as part of your Advent studies because I know you have so much time to sit down and read your Bible. I want you to look up those seven women through Scripture who were met at the well and how God met them exactly where they were and what He gave each of them, the living water that He took them to. We are called to halt, and you're going to have some time to reflect right now. Look at the questions on your sheet. I want you to know when you're hungry, is that head hunger? Is that heart hunger? Is it true hunger? When do you, what tank do you need to fill? Because the answer is not always a trip to Starbucks. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a different kind of hunger. And for overeaters and foodies like me, I watch a lot of moms blow up or either become seriously anorexic and have eating disorders as moms because they're not reading their gauges well. And their a- food they think are lack of or control over is the way. It's not. So know your hunger. Know what kind of hunger it is. Are you angry? Are you anxious? Think about the posture of your heart. Are you clinging for control like this out of fear? Are you... Are you just angry and mad and closing off yourself like this with your arms over your chest, just angry and mad and shut down so nobody's getting anything? Are you open-handed and open and honest and surrender to the Lord? Um, he says He will meet us when we are lonely. We need to learn to listen. Part of what Leslie's going to talk about is listening to the Lord and getting in touch with the Lord of the Sabbath. And if you feel like God has moved, It's not him, it's us. We need to move back and he will never leave us or forsake us. Lean in. And if you're tired, another book that we've read this fall is called Sleep to Win. You've got to sleep. You've got to rest. Just Sunday, and did the most amazing talk a few weeks ago. And then Elizabeth on sin and Allison on just being anchored in the living water. You've got to refresh yourself and know how to get in touch with your Sabbath. Leslie's going to talk more about that. I want you all to be ready to send out an SOS. Okay? There's a lady called Ruth Meek who did a redeeming Christmas seminar that we have taped here. It's out in Watermark Webland somewhere. And you can find it on how to redeem Christmas. And if you truly are struggling and drowning in the expectations around the season, get this book called Unplugging the Christmas Machine. Listen to Ruth's talk. Spread it out. Send out an SOS to your friends and family. um, And then anchor down. Do the study that we talked about at the beginning on exhaustion, weary, tired. Look to the word for what you need when you need it. And we are cables. We are life givers. We are this from our children to the word, especially when they're little. You can't give something you don't have. We become what we behold. If your face is in your phone, where's your kid going to think you find life? In your phone. Okay? And some things you read there are good, some are not. You embody, embrace what you embody. Okay, you embody what you embrace. What are you holding on to? What is your cable hooking up to? Where are you getting life? Because that's what you will reproduce. And I have said my whole life, eat healthy. You are what you eat. You become what you behold, all that stuff. But if what I'm ingesting through my mouth and my eyes and my ears is not edifying and not eternal, I'm going to be reproducing children that go to those same sources. So take a few minutes right now, just a couple. and I want you to look through those questions in that gray area and ask yourself, am I in sync with the Spirit? Am I pursuing in my life right now what is eternal or what's temporal? And then I want you to, um, are you aware of your design? Do you know, are you in touch with how you're gifted and how that best applies to this mom? Just take a stab at any of those questions. Take, come up for air, because I know it's been a drink from a fire hydrant. And um, then we're going to get ready to listen to Leslie.
1: My name is Leslie Berry. And... Um, it has just been a, it has honestly been an honor and a privilege just to work through this with Jeannie. I'm not joking. This topic has, makes me cry all the time. Like you can ask Allison, I've called her like, (laughs) I mean like ugly cry because it's just, I'm so in the middle of this right now. So God is so sweet that he's allowed me just to sit in this and kind of think about and pray about, hey, where do you want us to go with all this? So we're going to remember what we started with. so we're with um, Hebrews 12:1 just says, "And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us." So what is perseverance? We were just talking at the table. Hey, like what's the difference between um, working hard for the godly things and being exhausted about that versus the things that um, are the extras? You know, There's a certain level of what Jeannie and i are talking about. We're supposed to be whipped. We are. But that good kind of whipped feels good. It's like what it's it's godly, and so what does perseverance mean? Well, it means steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. I just googled that. If y'all just want to google perseverance, um, it's not up there. I just did this the other day, um, I thought that's a great parenting. Like, really? Like, in 20 years? I hope I see some success, right? Like, it is not going to be based off our Advent experience last night. Two out of the four were crying over an Advent craft. Lisa, I don't know if that was a good choice for me. Um, And so, anyway, um, so that's what um, perseverance is. And so when I think of perseverance, I always go back to James 1, 2 through 4. Um, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many, tr- many kinds. So these are the trials that are worth it. Um, because it, you know that it's testing your faith. And it will make you mature and complete, not lacking anything. I skipped a lot, but that's what it means. So we want to be mature and complete. So just like what Jeannie was saying with these boats. So whatever boat I am, whatever boat you are, I don't want to get my boat loaded, load levels good, and then get out in the middle of the sea and I stall. I don't want to stall out. I don't want to run out of gas. And that's what we're talking about. That, that story about the Marine coming in, it's like Jesus giving you just a hoo-hoo. What is that called when they do that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm talking about. Right. That's what we need, right? And so um, w- how can we do that? So what we did, so now, guys, we're, we're taking from the front and we're flipping over. And we're going to go to what are the four areas of our heart that gives us that jump start? That's what it's called, a jump start. Um, and so we kind of just broke it down. And Jeannie's touched on this a little bit, but I'm going to touch on it a little bit more and take us a little bit deeper into it. Um, so the first one is um, fun. Okay, so yes, I did speak about fun in May with your kids, but I'm talking about what is fun for you? What, what gets your juices flowing? Okay, so <clears throat> we all can't wait all year for our, our big vacay. Like it's not, um, we can't live for it. We, we can't go through every day just white-knuckling just to get to the beach or wherever it is that you plan to go somewhere, which is rich is important. So we need to find delights within the day. What is it that's getting us through the mundane of life? Um, So let me disclaimer this real quick. I know Jeannie's talked about this a little bit. This isn't a license to indulge yourself all the time. I'm not talking mani-pedis three times a week. I think a mani-pedi is great. I'm just saying, well, everything has a balance, okay? That's what we're talking about here. So what I'm talking about is we get lost in motherhood in the give, 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 then we stall out. And so we need to figure out what is it that gets Leslie Berry's juices flowing. So this is kind of close to my heart because um, this year, um, those are the four things we're going to be talking about. Enjoyments, people, time, and the Sabbath. Um, But this year, um, I think with my fourth, um, Rob had a job change. I kind of just forgot what I like. I don't know what I like anymore. Um, and I needed to rediscover that. Um, and so here's, here's a good analogy on how the, how, why this is so important. Think of a pool. So a pool that goes like this. Here's the shallow end, here's the deep end. With our kids, we're like, you, we want to train them and give them the skill to be able to make it in the deep. I mean, that's the goal. I don't want my kids drowning in a pool. We've got to teach them how to swim, make it in the deep end so that they survive. Um, but we have to come to the shallow to breathe, right? So that we can make it back into the deep. If you're always in the deep and you're not coming up for air just to enjoy what's in front of you, you will sink. So um, that's what your enjoyments do. And so um, I love Psalm 37. Oh, I'm in charge of slides. I forgot this. Hold on. i was just joking. Oh, thank you for doing that for me. Okay, we'll get to them in just a minute. Sorry, this is so fun. Okay, so <laughs> Psalm thirty-seven, f- three through four says, um, "Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture." We're supposed to enjoy these things through the day. That just give us let us breathe. Um, And then it goes on to say this verse that I know a lot of us have heard and have been misused often, but delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And we're going to get to that. Um, But those things are not things that we think automatically. These are not perishable things. Think back to what Sunday was talking about a couple months ago, the things that make us stop and just kind of like stop seeing what we want to see and see what God wants to show us. So... um, I read this awesome book. Well, actually, Jeannie told me to read this book, and it was, like, so timely for me. Um, it's Gary Thomas's Pure Pleasures. And he walks through this whole concept a whole lot more. All of our books are at the bottom of this page. If you guys ever want to, like, dive in more to something, but this is, I highly recommend this book. Um, but anyway, he said, hey, just start with the senses. What is it that you touch, um, taste, smell, see, and hear that kind of get your juices flowing. That, that fills your cup back up. Like, I love the Arboretum. Like, I don't care about any other kid path except the Arbo. Don't care. Because selfishly, I mean, there's fun things to do for the kids there, but I like to see flowers. There's something in it for me. I'm going to choose that over Perot any day. Um, just what is it for you? So here, it could be a long talk with a friend. It could be um, a certain place you want to go to. I'm going to try it. Here I go. Nope, just joking, wrong way. Um, So, simple, pure pleasure for me, coffee and orange juice combo. I love it. We don't do orange juice in our house all the time because my kids would take it down, like, in two seconds. So, that's a special treat for me. Um, Other special treats. These are my senses, guys. So, um, desserts. I love, like, a hard with a soft, right? Like, I love it. Fire up for that. Um, See, these are simple. Everybody can do it. Um, Okay. (laughs) So, this, this is, like, a getaway that Rob and I had, but I had no idea how much the pool how fun the pool could be with no one there. It's uh, like, I'm not worrying if anybody's drowning. I like hear the water, water trickling. And Rob is actually on the other side of the pool because he likes shade. And I'm like, i want to be over here by myself in the sun. And we were totally cool with that. Then I was like, take a picture of me. I, mean, like, <laughs> I want to remember this, you know. And I'm like not even in a bathing suit, but I have my coffee on me. I mean, it was awesome. And so, oh, and this is another pure pleasure. I I would have never in a million years thought this. So Rob and I planted grass. Big deal. Um, We've had years of bad grass. And so um, we're like, this is going to work. This is going to take. And so we were dedicated this summer not to have our grass die. So what became a work became a joy. This is kind of crazy. I think we find that in life, right? So I was so fired up to put the kids down for naps and rest time that I would, um, to go out and water the lawn. And I would just stand there. I was like, wave to my neighbors. And I'm, because you can, city of Richardson, you can water, hand water. Okay, so I don't want anybody to arrest me. But that was awesome for me. Rejuvenated soul. This one of my kids took, sleeping, the whole thing on sleeping. I, so this is not, I didn't tell them to do this. I will lay down in the middle of the floor when I'm just done. And um, they kind of come around me. There's a, they had made like a plastic, I mean, you know, cardboard box right there. I mean, Charles Spurgeon has said um, a hundred, hundreds of spiritual ills could be solved with a good night's sleep. Don't ever, don't ever think a naps, not a, not a pure pleasure, girls, because it is. So I think you'll get my drift, but that is... Oh, there's probably one more, because I don't... Oh, Hobby Lobby. I think if you put electrodes on my brain and I walked in there, I think parts that were dead would come alive again. I mean, just the fact that something is always 50% off gives me hope. I mean, it's just... It's, you know? And then there's, like, Christian music playing, so I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. There's sales and Jesus. It's great. <laughs> okay. Um, and so we're going to keep on. Oh. Um, so anyway, the next part, we're going to move on. Um, oh, my goodness. I don't need to go to my pictures. Um, there they are. Okay. <laughs> We're moving on. Okay, that's the fun part. I hope that was fun. We're about to go deep. Okay, so people, 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 people are so important in your life. Now, Jeannie has talked a lot about what community groups is. So if you come to Watermark, you know what that word is. If you do not, let me just explain. It's just people who want you to follow Jesus and say, hey, I want to help you follow Jesus better. That's what it is. So for you, maybe a life group, a stage group, a Bible study, maybe girls. I've met girls that grew up with people that love Jesus, and they still, like, Text, get a group meet account. I don't know what it is, but get people to walk with you as you follow Jesus because you will think alone. Um, I just, I love these girls. I didn't even think I was going to cry this part. Um, Everybody cry. I mean, really? I'm not joking. I cry every time I think about this talk. So um, these are the girls in my life that like push me towards the Lord. And um, they make me a better person. I'm, I'm up here because of them, because they affirm they, me in my skills. That they tell me, hey, Leslie, you need to stop this and start this. So um, I'm going to take us back to Scripture real quick. In Exodus 17, when um, the Israelites are out of um, oppression from the Egyptians, and they're wandering around the desert. And um, Moses is, um, have, they've not gotten a real destination yet, but they get attacked. Okay, and so... Moses sends Joshua out. He's like, I need you to start attacking him. I'm going to go on the hill. I'm going to take Aaron and her with me. And I'm going to just raise my hands up to the Lord. So he goes up to the hill. And with Moses' hands, by this time he's old, y'all. He's not young. His hands are up. They're winning. But he's old. This is a long battle. His arms start falling down. They start losing. They're like, oh, it's kind of important if Moses' hands stay up. They put his hands back up. But this is hard. Aaron and her notice this. They see that he is sinking. They get a rock. He sits on it, and Aaron takes one hand, and her takes the other, and they defeat um, the Amalekites that are um, trying to attack them. Guys, we've got to have have women and from Galatians six two just that will help us carry our burdens. It is our responsibility to nurture and um, care for what we've been given but we are called as Christ believers to walk alongside each other in that. So my question is, who's your Aaron and her? Do you have these people? And in that, bringing it back to now, are you letting them um, give you faithful wounds? What do I mean by that? Proverbs 27, 6 said, faithful are friends for, uh, wounds from a friend. Maybe a paraphrase. Um, are you letting them do that? Um, I, uh, a couple years ago, I've met with these girls for almost six years this summer. And um, <clears throat> one time, I was coming every week, and I was saying the same story over and over. The story was, "This was really hard. I didn't know how I was going to do. And then Rob and I had to settle it with the kids, and now I'm fine." So one of the girls was like, "Hey, Leslie, you know, I've just noticed you have the same thing all the time. Why are why are we finding about this on this side, and you're not letting us in when you're on the mountain, right?" And I'm like, "Great question, like." That's probably self-reliance. That's also probably pride. I mean, the list of what that one question was, was like, yeah, I think I might get something out of being awesome and thinking I made it through that. But really, there's nothing awesome about it. So let people ask you hard questions. Don't get offended about it, but know that they want you to follow Christ more. Um, I also just know that Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's why we need other people. Um, and in 27, Proverbs 27, 17, we know that iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. I pray that you girls find people in your life like I have that sharpen you and lead you to the Lord daily. Um, okay, so we're going to move on, and I'm going to use the clicker. Yes! Okay, so time. Here's my favorite part of the talk. Okay, um, so time is just such a, a crazy... Crazy thing. So if we get out in the middle of the ocean and our time is off, we will sink. So um, let me just give you scripture. I'm going to do two points from scripture before we dive into my analogy. But um, so I got my husband and I made it a priority to read the Daily Walk Bible about two years ago. And um, if y'all don't know, it's this Bible right here. It's pretty stinking awesome. It's kind of like the journey that we do here at Watermark, but um, it's fast reading. Like chapter one through whatever, and get, read it, read it, read it. So there wasn't a lot of deep in-depth stuff, but it was like general big picture. And with the general big picture that I got from the Old Testament was God is like, hey, hey, remember me, remember me. Hey, when you cross over, build an altar to remember me. And when you go over there, teach your kids to remember me. Oh, wait, you know these laws I gave you? Please don't forget them. They're f- we're for you. I'm for you. Remember me. That that was just, I mean, over and over. I mean, I almost got ticked thinking, why don't they remember him? This is so obvious. Um, And that made me think of, um, in 2 Samuel 6, it's David and the ark. This is a part when they're starting to kind of remember him, right? Like, David's, like, been anointed king. Saul's gone. Um, They're rejoicing. Um, The chapter before, David just won a battle. They're like, let's go get the ark. Those Philistines took it it from us a couple years ago or whatever, 100 years ago. They go, they get the ark. They're rejoicing. This is a good time. But guys, they didn't remember something. Part of what they didn't remember is that there is a special way to carry the ark. The ark represents everything that is holy and pure. This is pre-Jesus. Okay, so the Ten Commandments are in there. The jar of manna is in there. Like things that you don't touch because we are sinful. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus, Moses was very specific about how to handle the ark. But they forgot and so someone touched it and died. And everybody stopped, like, what? What's going on here? Why did that happen? They leave it there in someone's house. They go back home. They they remember. It takes them three months. They come back and they restore it back to the city of David. But they didn't take time to remember. That is what we need to do with our time. Remembrance is a big deal. The second story from the Bible is Mary and Martha. We all heard it. Two women, one was lazy, one was a worker. Just joking. seeing if you're listening. <laughs> it's not true. Thank you. Yeah. So two women, one's like, hey, Jesus, come over and bring all your friends, which is so great. She's making dinner. She's getting the preparation set up, which is what we all do. Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. And then she doesn't even go to Mary, which I think is kind of funny. She just goes straight up to Jesus, like, I'm going to bat past you and go to the Holy One. Um, and just says, you know, yeah, it's so, that was kind of funny to me. And so she's like, hey, you need to get her to work up here. And, um. He's like, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen what is better. And I'm like, whoa, do we choose in our time what is better? There are so many good things out there. We can do so many good things. We can serve at our schools. We can serve at our church. We can serve in the community. But what's the better thing? And so that's what I kind of like, what's the eternal thing? If we were talking about this, like, what are those eternal things that we cannot, as our role in a woman, like, Push to the side. So, um, so what's funny is I was like, Jeannie, I'm adding a rock analogy. She's like, Oh, everybody in BSF saw that on Tuesday. So, it's a little different if you're in BSF. Um, so, here's my rock analogy. So, these big rocks are the are the essentials. These are we are called to be a mom. We are called. To, I'm going to stand right here um, to be. Um, and if we have children, we're called to be mom, obviously, and we're wives. And obviously, when you take time to remember God. Okay, so this is my life. I think I have enough. Okay, so some rocks may feel bigger. So the un- non-negotiables are God, our husband, and our children. Okay, God, obviously, I, from John 15, 5, it says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If he who remains me, me will bear much fruit, and apart from me, you can do nothing. I was talking to my husband about this, like nothing equals nothing. So I don't want to be a nothing. And so I've got to make God a priority. He goes in here. Okay, um, my husband... To, uh, let, you know, um, They're no longer one, but two. That's a big deal. And I'm going to talk about a story about that in just a second. And our children. I always think of Deuteronomy 6, 7. Impress on them his laws. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down and get up. Those things are non-negotiables. Here's the crazy thing about our time. So this is Leslie Berry time. And I've got lots of, The White Rocks are my non-negotiables. But they're all different sizes. Okay, so these are. I have four kids, one husband, and my time with God. So, but here's the thing with my family. The rocks can change throughout the day, their size. So, like, maybe they're all this size. And maybe I can't fit anything else in besides the essentials, right? Like, these rocks can change at any point. So, when I put them all in here, they can be whoever. I really hope they all fit, because I took one from the watermark parking a lot, and I'll put it back. (laughs) Because I fit. I was like, I don't have any of those fancy rocks. Okay, So this is Leslie Berry's time. These are the things that the Lord has said, hey, I'm I'm entrusting you to nurture this and grow this for the kingdom. So here's my time. Um, And remember that they can change size. I mean, you don't know what your two-year-old's going to do. And that may blow up the whole day. And then here's homeroom mom. Here's serving at Watermark. Here's the nest. Here's community. Here's long talks with people. Here's in-laws. Here's um, everything else, okay, that you sit, and I pray that you talk to people. Hey, shit, is that a smart move for me? Is, should, I, should I add that to my plate? And I'm going to leave this up here. This part up here is the most, uh, one of the most important parts. It's called margin, okay? I should probably leave more, but I didn't account for the bigger rock. Um, but you leave margin for those, those rocks that are get bigger, and we don't see that. If we don't have more margin, we'll sink, um, so a couple years ago, I thought two years ago, is when the Plano campus. My husband and I are now at the Plano campus. We were, we've been at Watermark. This is, we're going to be 10 years of summer, which is nuts. And so we were here at the uh, Dallas campus for, I guess, whatever years that's subtracting to eight years, and we've been at the Plano campus. And so um, during that time, we also decided to adopt and um, add to our family. So that was just a crazy time. This part I just decided to add in later. Sometimes we make our kids the big rocks. Sometimes our kids are the biggest rocks in here. And there's an order here. God, our husband, and our children. My husband was not... I'm going to find Robin here. Rob was probably like, he might have been like this rock right here. And I'm like, you got this, buddy. You can do it. Okay, I got to raise these kids. Um, and I think we all kind of lean towards that sometimes. Okay, because we're like, you're an adult. You got this. And it was just not going in a good direction. So about... As of this summer, it may have been this summer, I was just praying about lots of different things. I was like, oh, Lord, where do you want me to serve? Am I really living for the kingdom? Am I really sharing Christ with everybody? I mean, just me and my processing of the Lord. Okay, then what about Rob? Rob wants to have sex a lot. Uh, But does he not understand? He gave me all these kids to raise. I'm like, he's got to understand I don't have time for sex anymore. And if I do, he's just going to have to take it as it is. Like, I'm just being honest, girls, okay? So... That is not what I was called to do. I had my schedule, my priorities messed up. So this is kind of crazy, but I I was like, Lord, how do you want me to live for your kingdom? And the first thing that came to my mind was have more sex with Rob. (laughs) Wow, well, that's too much. But no, that's my role. That's what I'm supposed to do. And so Rob did not pressure me at all. I have full permission to tell the story. Uh, But I just was like, hey, I've decided that my way of living for the kingdom is to pursue you, be excited about sex, and make that more of a priority. I mean, he was excited. And so (laughs) that, and I call it my kingdom living campaign. This is, (laughs) so y'all, when I'm like, trying to fire him up, like, I've got something special for you tonight. It's hashtag Kingdom Living. It's just a text I send him. And that's how I'm living for the Lord. Because I know that if I fill Rob's cup that way, he's going to love people better at his job. He's going to make more disciples. And that's my part to help him do what God created him to do. So girls, don't lose sight. Um, Okay. The last part is, um, the Sabbath. Um, and I'm, I'm in charge of the clicker. Um, Okay, so this has been so fun, is the Sabbath. Another part of what happened in our life when we changed campuses was, um, I gotta find my water, Um, is that when Rob worked here, he worked Monday through Friday primarily. When we switched over to that campus, Rob became a Sunday through Thursday guy. Really hard time for us. And I don't think I realized, like, oh, whoa, whoa, like you're not coming home? Like you're leaving early in the morning? I'm like, Whoa, I didn't know about that part of it in the time. So we kind of lost our Sabbath, but we didn't make it a priority to put that back in our schedule. Okay, so man, was that um, something that I feel like the Lord has ta- taught us over the last two years. So um, let me start with what the Sabbath is. So in Genesis 2, we've seen the first time where God's like, okay, this is what's so awesome. Jeannie, remind me of this. She's like, yeah, this happened in the garden. Y'all, life was good. Sin had entered, and God's like, hey, we take six days to work, and we're going to rest on the seventh day when there was no sin. Like, how awesome. And that's what they were supposed to do then. God's like, hey, imitate me. And so that's what they were supposed to do. Um, And then it goes on into um, Exodus 20, when we have the Ten Commandments, and the fourth one is um, keep the Sabbath day and remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. So basically, it's a big deal. So that's why I have Exodus grounds us in the, I mean, Sabbath is grounded in Exodus. So that's that's like um, where we, is the command we hear from God. Now, if you go on to Deuteronomy, it just says in 515, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. So now they're bringing it up again. So they must have forgotten, and so they're liberated in Deuteronomy. Like now they feel it, right? So they've—they this is after they've been oppressed for over 400 years. They've crossed the sea, and he's like, "Hey, we're doing Sabbath." They're like, "Oh, we need it now." They get it, right? So this is, um, so just to look a little bit more into that freedom, just remember they had been in bondage for 400 years. Taskmasters were after them. Um, they couldn't, they weren't worshiping the Lord. They definitely weren't, didn't have time to remember. Um, and then Moses came. He's like, I'm going to take care of this. These are my people. He's kind of realizing that. He kills a taskmaster, but they all see. And then that just backfires on him. And they're like, um, oh, you're going to kill us like you killed him? And he's like, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm not dealing with this. So he leaves for about 40 years. Then God grabs his heart. He's like, no, you are freeing my people. Go back. So he goes back, and then all the plagues happen. Finally, Pharaoh's like, just get your people and leave. So they leave. And as they're leaving, then Pharaoh, in, in his normal fashion, was like, whoa, wait, wait, I'm just joking. I want y'all to come back because I need you to do my work. So they, God parts the Red Sea. They are, they are marching across that Red Sea. The Egyptians are right behind them. Again, shocking. So they get over to the shore. The sea crashes, and they are truly liberated. No one's oppressing them anymore. So, um, here's a crazy what if. So, this isn't biblical. I'm going on a what if. Um, What if some of those Israelites were like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I want to save some of my taskmasters. I want to bring you over here and you can do the same thing you did there, here, in my freedom. So, they're like pulling them out. Come on. Come with me. Beat me again. Give me no freedom. Like, so glad that didn't happen. So, hear me. That did not happen. But do we do that? Now, we're obviously not physically being oppressed, but in our minds, are you letting tasks overrule your freedom? I mean, are you sitting there? Like, I can sit there and um, be like, okay, whew, I love my time with the Lord is at nap time. I'm not halfway awake till 9 a.m., and so I've struggled with years thinking the holiest of people wake up in the morning, and they probably do, but my time with the Lord is during nap time, and then my elders have to go just rest, Um, and I'm awake and alert then, But sometimes if I sit down and the tasks aren't done, I feel like they're judging me. Like those dishes are like, you better clean me. You know, those toys are like, we're going to be here and trip everybody, you know. Um, Emails were like, you got to get back to these people. My text messages make me insane. Need to put it away. Um, What are those taskmasters for you? You know, what is stealing the joy for you? The joy to rest. Um, John 10 10 says, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life. There is life in Christ and to the full. We need to rest in our freedom of that. Um, okay, so if we don't take a Sabbath, and here's things that are gonna happen. We will forget him, as I talked about. We're gonna forget him in his ways. And the second thing is, the second thing is, is the taskmasters win. We don't want them to win. So um, Jesus says, and you brought this up in Matthew 28, uh, Matthew 11, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I know I've talked about the Old Testament, but the New Testament is the glory. It is like, we're, we're celebrating it right now, right? Like, you will find rest in me, the, the person of Jesus Christ who was fully man and fully God. Um, so where do we go from here? Okay, so we have talked a lot about... Um, a lot of different things. Yourself, who am I? How does that fit with my family? What does my time look like? We need rhythms. So we say here at our church a lot: devote daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. I'm going to admit I don't do those well. I, I think I've got a hold on devote daily, and um, I'm starting to really grasp withdraw weekly without feeling like I'm weak and I can't handle it. But abandon annually, my husband and I like we need to take ground in. Like we need to leave. Um, and then, so here, here's where we can figure out how to do that better. Um, the last part of your slide, um, it says stop, start, and keep, okay? So what? Let me get my phone. I don't have my phone. My phone's over there. That's a good thing. Do you have your phone? Yeah. No. So what's fun? It's a
0: mic.
1: I just yeah. want an iPhone. I just, you see that phone right there? Yeah. So, um, I mean, y'all, it's so funny. I'm, like, trying to be purposeful and not carry my phone. And I'm it's a, sure. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to see one. But it's supposed to be a prop. So um, what we're supposed to stop doing is we're, look at your life. What apps do you need to turn off? What, you know how like apps, like if there's big apps or whatever, they drain your battery a whole lot? So what apps in your life, what tasks do you need to just shut down because it's just draining you? It's not worth it anymore. Um, and what, um, what do you need to start doing? What, um, where do you need to plug in? You know, like you have to plug this bad boy in to be recharged. What is something that recharges you? And you're like, yeah, I probably need to, be, to start doing that more. You know, or you're watching someone you're like, if they're plugged into that, maybe I should look into that and talk and be like, is that a good fit for me um, to start doing? And then keep. Um, we just want to remind you, there's things you're doing that are so good. Um, don't leave thinking that you've got to go do a big bunch of stuff. What are you doing that you need to keep? Because you're like, I'm going to keep remembering Jesus because this is working and I'm kind of killing it in this area. That's a good thing. Remind yourself of that. God wants you to know that he delights in you and that you're doing good, Mom. You are doing good. Um, I'm going to finish with a quote that I, um, from this book. Y'all, this is a great book. If you, it's, it's funny. It's called Crazy Busy, a mercifully short book about a really big problem. Um, it is, what's so funny is a foundation group couple. That Rob and I led a foundation group. They mailed this to us. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? Us? Um, okay. Okay. So I'm going to leave you with this, and then I'm going to pray. Um, okay, so Jesus didn't do it all. Jesus didn't meet every need. He left people waiting in line to be healed. He left one town to preach in another. He hid away to pray. He got tired. He never interacted with the vast majority of people on the planet. And he spent 30 years in training and only three in the ministry. He did not He did not try to do it all, and yet he did everything God asked him to do. Guys, take... take um, Take encouragement from that, that we serve a God that did exactly what he was supposed to do, and you are a ship, and you have a, a destined course you need to take, and I pray that you find that. I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for Jeannie. Thank you for um, just sharing her wisdom of having older kids and being able to give a perspective of hope and also like, yes, this is hard. The good is hard. And um, just thank you for reminding us of that. And I just pray um, that these women don't get lost in the black rocks of our time, that they don't let those become bigger rocks than they need to be, and that, that we just turn back to God, our children, and our husband. And Lord, just keep those as the essentials. Thank you for the Sabbath. Thank you um, for the rest it gives, and forgive us for not obeying it. It's your Son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, y'all have time to do questions. We
0: have time to do questions, and if you didn't
1: get through all the questions
0: on the front page, you can do you can do a start, stop, keep. What we would love to do this is an inventory John taught us years ago. As of today, knowing what you know, knowing how you're designed, maybe part of your keep doing or start doing is getting back in touch with your strengths and your gifts. Maybe get back in touch with an Enneagram or with a Strength Finder or something where you're back in touch with who you are and what your design is. If we throw those questions back up, the icebreaker questions from the beginning, this is a great exercise to do with your family. And you can just list, you know, take a screenshot, or this will be out on the web eventually. Um, This is a fun exercise you can do at your table or with your family. Look at those types of ships and vessels up there. What type are you? And just talk about what the roles of each of those are, and then just go, hey, as a family talk at Christmas with your in-laws or with your family around at your table with your community. If you were to compare yourself to a boat, what kind would you be? And I think that would be kind of a fun icebreaker if you didn't get to it at your table, do it now. And then what, as that vessel, do you want to start, stop, keep doing, you know, in order to endure the exhaustion of being a young mom? Does that mm-hmm. sound about right? I think feel? that's great. Yes. Yes, yes.
1: yes. I, I want to reiterate. Like, I just took the, the strength, strength finder, which I'm sure a lot of y'all have taken that here, just a good place to say, hey, what are your strengths? I did the y'all, I did all these tests. I tested myself out within the last couple months, and I have been, like, so fired up. I'm like, y'all, look who I am. Um, well,
0: and the great thing about the Enneagram that I loved is it talks about when you're in your high self, which we would call walking in the step with the Spirit being in sync, how you operate. And then it talked about operating in your low self, when I'm depending on me, when we talked about in the Galatians. I'm sowing to please the flesh. I'm going to reap what I sow. And John and I literally at the AT&T shop sat down and I made a confession. I took a personal inventory with him and said, I just want to confess to you. I've been living in my low self and I've been looking for all this reciprocity. I'm not going to get because when I'm filled with the spirit and synced up and I'm doing my Sabbath and I'm getting my rest in Jesus, this is how I operate. But forgive me. And so we're still human. We're just Mm -hmm. so fallible, and we're going to make so many mistakes. But those inventories help you figure out where you're in step or in sync or syncing. Yeah, so have fun with that. Start, stop, keep. Thank you so much for all your listening ears.